0: Grace Family Church of Rhode Island presents Word of Hope, a sermon series with Pastor Luciano Cozzi. People always ask me what it was like when I was dead. I think the better question is, How am I alive? The answer starts with this man named Jesus. The day I died, he told my father, don't worry, just believe. My father, a city leader, a well-respected man, was... He was crying, begging at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, Just believe. Believe. Jesus started to come help, then he got distracted by someone, and when he finally did arrive at our house, he told all the mourners, I was just sleeping. Not dead. Sleeping. They laughed at him. Everyone in the room laughed at him. Well. Not everyone. My father, he believed that day. He believed Jesus. You see, before it all happened, I called him father. But after that day, I called him daddy. I found out what he was willing to do to have me back. What he was willing to give up to save me. My daddy threw off everything he was. A ruler, a proud man, an important member of society to fall at the feet of the last hope for his little girl. My daddy, He would tell you that Jesus too threw off all he was, everything that belonged to him and died like a criminal for our sakes. So that all of us could be brought back to life. That's how I am alive.
1: Good morning, brethren. I remember many years ago when I was in Bible college, I had a couple of friends who were blind. And one in particular I used to do a number of things with, including going to church services. And I will never forget one day as we were walking into the church, the usher of a church made a statement to him that I will never forget. The usher said to my friend who was blind, maybe today you won't have enough faith to be healed. I confess that I was shocked. I was flabbergasted. It it just did not seem right to me at all because it put the blame almost on him for not having been healed already of his blindness. Years later, by the way, after graduation, I, m- I remember meeting him again and he confessed to me that he knew why God allowed him to be still blind. You see, he had become a teacher of a a group of blind children, and he said that those children could very well pull the pity card with other teachers, but he wouldn't work with them because he had something to share with them. He was just as blind as they were, and yet he was able to accomplish so much and he was able to encourage the children also to accomplish more than they thought they could. So it served a purpose and he said that he was well pleased to serve God in that way. It reminds me of God, what God said to the Apostle Paul, in your weakness my strength is made perfect. But today, in today's lesson, we're talking about faith. When you think about faith, What do you think about? Is faith like a magic formula, perhaps, to get what we want? Does our faith compel God to do our bid? Today's passage from Mark 5 gives us a couple of lessons about faith, and they're very important for us to understand. We begin with verse 21, Mark 5 and verse 21. When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, A large crowd gathered around him, and so he stayed by the seashore. We had, last week in fact, we talked about Jesus crossing and the disciples crossing to the east side of the Sea of Galilee. This is when they are returning to the west side of the Sea of Galilee, probably in the area of Capernaum. And you notice that the crowd was gathering around him. Verse 22. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up and seeing on seeing him fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. And he, Jesus, went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. Well, let's understand first what's going on here. This was a synagogue. Jairus was a synagogue official. He was a prominent member of his community. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, at Jesus' feet, which was an acknowledgement of much greater status. So here you have a community leader acknowledging a much greater status of Jesus. And he implored him earnestly. Notice the emotional intensity of this father pleading for his daughter's life and asking Jesus to lay, lay his hands on her, which was a practice that was often, often followed by Jesus and his disciples when uh, in, in healings and in praying for people and is still actually practiced today in the church. Now we mentioned that a crowd was gathering around Jesus and in that crowd that was pressing against Jesus and gathered around Jesus, a woman was a particular woman with an incurable condition that caused her to bleed all the time. Now that was not just painful or annoying, but it was quite serious in the community as well. Just as if she had a menstrual cycle all the month long, This woman was always unclean, adding a social and a religious dimension to her physical pain, her physical problem. In other words, she was an outcast, an outcast that that people did not want to get close to, because if they touched her or were touched by her, they would become unclean as well. And this woman, not only she was an outcast, but also spent all that she had in the hope that the physicians would be able to cure her and put an end to that disease. But instead of helping her, they made things worse. Notice what she, she did in verse 27. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak, for she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately the flow of her blood was dried up And she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. It's kind of interesting in here. Why would she only want to touch the edge of his garment, the outer garment, his cloak? You see, for an unclean person to touch or be touched, as we mentioned a moment ago, by someone else, would mean that the other person would have become unclean as well. According to Jewish tradition, she shouldn't have even been in a crowd, but her distress, her pain, her condition moved her to seek jesus, the person now, because anyone that she would touch would become unclean, she would not want to touch Jesus, so that's probably why she just touched the edge of his outer garment, thinking that perhaps that would be sufficient. But think about it. Just like in the case of a leopard, instead of making Jesus unclean by her touch, she was purified. She was healed by Him. And immediately there we find an important lesson. Because none of our sins or our uncleanness can ever contaminate God. Now, nothing that we may have done, nothing that may make us unclean will ever contaminate God, but His holiness can certainly purify and heal us. Now imagine her reaction, her joy. She had been ill with that pain and that flow of blood for 12 years. Now a a blood flow for 12 years, imagine what it did to her body her iron count, her strength, and now she was finally well. But not because of a cure, but because she found her way to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. See, sometimes we're tempted to give up on people or situations that have not changed for many years. And yet, yet, God doesn't give up. God doesn't give up on you just because your problem has been going on for a while. He can do the impossible, but He does it for a greater purpose. You see, we would gladly receive healing so that we can continue to live life, a life in this world, just like ever before. I remember as I was working as a volunteer in a city mission, one day I was called to assist a man Oh, this man was desperate. He was crying, he was sobbing, he was scared, he was desperate because he had sexual relations with a woman. And then he found out that she had AIDS. And so he told me how worried he was that he might have contracted AIDS. He had gone to the physicians to be tested, but he did not know the results yet. But I will never forget the day that he came back with the results, he looked at me straight on and he said, I don't need this stuff anymore, I'm okay, I don't have AIDS. And so I wonder, what happened to his sorrow? You see, this man wanted, we prayed together several times, but he wanted God, God's healing so he could go back to his life in this world. But that is not God's purpose at all. God has a much greater and much higher purpose for every one of us, for any one of us. But let's continue with our passage in verse 30. Immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garment? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. Now the wording itself shows that he knew who she was. But let's take it a little bit at a time. First of all, power proceeding from him had gone forth. Interesting wording. But even though this wording may may lead some to think of some kind of magical power, Power did not leave Jesus without His knowledge and without His will. And there was no magic in that. Jesus simply honored the faith of the woman and extended His healing to her. The question that He asked, Who touched my garment? was a rhetorical question. It's not because He did not know, but He asked that question to establish a personal relationship with the woman. This is not the first time. Even way back in the Garden of Eden, God knew exactly where Adam and Eve were, and yet He asked a question, Adam, where are you? Not because God needed to know, but because He wanted Adam to think about it. And so He wanted this woman to think about what happened. His healing, actually in general, His healings were not a goal in themselves but rather a means by which people would recognize that he was Messiah and then come to him in faith. You see, if the whole purpose of Jesus was to heal people and do miracles, then that would have been the end of it. She was healed, that's fine. No need to turn around and ask a question and call her attention. But the healing was a means to an end. And the end was to acknowledge and recognize Messiah and to come into a relationship with him. Now, of course, a question like that shook the disciples' curiosity because, come on, there is is a crowd that the people are touching you all the time, they're pressing on you. And so the question seemed very strange. On top of that, remember, they were going to the house of Jairus. And Jairus' urgency made the response of the disciples even more interesting and even more real and felt. There was a a sense of urgency, a hurry that they had. But it was important to make that distinction and that pause. You see, it makes us think about the difference between a casual, casual touch and the touch of a woman's faith. The casual touch of the crowds is the the rubbing against Jesus, the bumping against Him, the touching Him of people who in some cases didn't even believe in Him. It was not meaningful. Many people today come to to touch, quote-unquote, figuratively speaking, come to touch Jesus without making really a difference at all. But that woman That woman's trust, that woman's faith made the difference. Now that Jesus, Jesus could tell the difference. He knew the woman had been healed. Again, there was no magical power in here. But what we see is the will of God at work. Verse 33. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, I always ask myself a lot of questions when I read, why was she fearing and trembling? Of course, in part, it's because she was in awe of him, having been healed and probably feeling unworthy. But remember she was in a society where women were not really the most important people in the community and especially an unclean woman would be shunned away by others. But I think there is also another factor. She knew that according to Jewish tradition she shouldn't have been in such a crowd and touched a rabbi. And yet, look at the answer of Jesus daughter, an affectionate title that indicated that that connection for that moment established a new relationship with Jesus Christ, Messiah. And then he said to her, Your faith has made you well. I've heard that being quoted out of context many times. Now, considering the frequent failure of the disciples' faith, this statement was quite remarkable, especially in a culture As I mentioned before, they frequently looked at women as less stable and even emotionally weaker. Her faith had made her well. Her faith was her trust, the trust that led her to seek healing from Jesus. She sought a person, not a thing. Jesus did not say that she was responsible for her healing, but rather, that her faith, her trust, had led her to seek Him and His healing. You see, the value of our faith does not rest in us. It doesn't rest in how much we can conjure up faith, how much faith we can conjure up. But it rather, the value of our faith rests in who we trust. In this case, God Himself. Let me, let me make a point about that. Let's say that we have to choose a doctor, and I have to choose a doctor, and, and there are two doctors that I can choose from, <clears throat> and uh, I look at one, and that one doctor is an average doctor, no, nothing particular or, or, or no particular reputation, but I could say I have so much trust in him In fact, I have so, so much trust, I conjured up so much trust toward him, he's got to be a good doctor. Well, not really. As much trust as I may put place on him, it does not make him a better doctor than he is. But if I look at another one, and he has a great reputation He's been in, in that profession for a long time. He has a, a lot of great reports. He's very well known. His, his practice is really good. He has, he's got a great skill. Now, if I trust him, it is his reputation, his skill, his ability that gives value to that trust. That trust is not placed on something empty or, or, or without value. Now, this world deceives us about so many things, and one of those is faith as well. You may have heard so many times in this world, just have faith, just believe. If you have enough faith, then you can do all things. If you can just visualize the good things that you want in life, they will become real. Not really. But of course, that brings a lot of money to the people that will set up workshops to teach you to do that. (sighs) Having faith in ourselves. You see, faith is trust. And trust in ourselves does not lead to anything good. Notice what the Bible has to say about that very, very clearly. Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 26. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. But he who walks wisely will be delivered. I don't think God can make it any more clear than this. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool. The same concept in Proverbs chapter 3, beginning with verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Now, this woman's faith healed her because he moved her. That trust moved her to come to Jesus, to a person, to God, to Messiah, and place her full trust in him rather than in herself or other people. Then Jesus mentioned to her, go in peace and be healed. Go in peace and be healed. That was a, it was stated to reassure her of the fullness of her healing, of the completeness of her healing. That it would be permanent. That problem would not come back to her. She was fully, completely healed of it. Because she trusted Messiah. She trusted Jesus Christ. But let's go back to our um, account, verse 35. While he was still speaking, they came from a house of a synagogue official, saying, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher any more?" But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe. See, the lesson about faith here in Mark's account continues as Jesus addressed Jairus after he had received bad news about his little daughter. Notice what the people told him. Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? See, the perspective of those who had come to bring him the news, well, is understandable, right? But he lacked faith. He lacked the trust that he needed to have in Jesus. So Jesus intervened and told Jairus, do not be afraid any longer, only believe. Now, this is not, but first of all, this is not like the phrase just believe that you hear so much in, in movies about magic or Santa stories or anything like that. You see, Jairus had trusted Jesus that Jesus could heal his daughter. But now he was exposed to a different frame of mind from the messengers that came to give him the message that he had died His frame of mind was ready to give up, to give up hope. And Jesus encouraged him to continue trusting in him that he could restore his daughter anyway. Now that, brethren, opens up a number of questions, doesn't it? A number of questions even about us today. For example, is death really the end of faith? Should we have faith only for as long as there is life and then in death we lose faith? Is death the end of hope? Is death the end of God's reach? And the answer is a resounding no. Even in death, God is not too late. And Jesus made it very clear in this case. He was not too late. The question is, It's not about Him. The question is about us, rather. What do we look at? Do we look at the circumstances? Do we look at other people? Do we look at ourselves to feed our faith? Or do we look at God and His purpose for us and trust Him and place our trust, our full trust in Him? Well, Of course, they were going to Jairus' house. And Jesus arrived in the midst of great mourning. Most likely there were several professional mourners also involved in this as well. So he took three of his disciples, her parents with them into the house and sent all the mourners away, all the friends and the rest of the family away and then when they were out of the house he went in to see the girl. We pick up in verse 41. Taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which translated means, Little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk, for she was 12 years old. And immediately they were completely astounded. And who wouldn't be? Notice what he said to the girl. I say to you, get up. Do you notice that phrase, I say to you? It emphasizes Jesus' own authority over death itself. Jesus had just called death asleep. Now, don't get me wrong, this death was real. She was not in a coma like some people think. She was dead. People knew what death was back in those days as well. But that death was not going to be permanent. He was going to bring her back to life. So there is a great lesson, a great message that is given to us here. Death, brethren, is not the end of it all. Death is not the end of faith. Death is not the end of hope. It is a temporary state. And He, Jesus Christ, will redeem us from the state of death to usher us into a permanent life in Him. That's our hope. And that's the faith that we're called to have in Jesus Christ, that trust that His promise will be delivered and will be fulfilled. Finally, verse 43, And He gave Him strict orders that no one should know about this, and He said that something should be given her to eat. He gave Him strict orders because Jesus did not want to attract attention to Himself for the wrong reasons. Again, the goal, the purpose, was not about the miracles. But the miracles served to, to confirm that he was truly the Son of God, that he was truly Messiah. The fact that he told him them, them to feed the girl was out of compassion. And confirmed her complete healing. But it also tells us that She was brought back to life, but that was not a resurrection. Her body was just like ours, still needed to be nourished and was still subject to the lowly limitations that we know very well. So, brethren, far from being something like a magic formula, faith is simply the manifestation of our trusting God. You see, it was not the cloak that healed the woman from her illness. It was not merely Jesus' physical touch that brought life back into the body of a little girl. It was not the ability of individuals to work up a lot of faith that performed these miracles. It was Jesus Christ Himself. God with us. God in the flesh. Faith is not power to coerce God to listen to us rather is a manifestation of our sincere trust in God and trust in God means that we don't just trust him for as long as he does what we bid we trust him even when we don't understand he has nothing to do with our status for example sometimes I hear people say pastor please pray for me because your faith is more important than mine not really Look at this, at these events. Both an outcast woman, as well as the leader of the synagogue, were equally loved by Jesus Christ. Why? Because both trusted Him. And faith, brethren, faith is trust. Trust is about a person, not an action or a miracle, but the person of Jesus Christ Himself. And it is to him that our trust should lead us. Just like the, the condition and the desperation and the, the, the desire to, to be whole led the woman to seek out Jesus, so should our concerns lead us in full trust to seek Jesus, to seek God and his will for our life. And that, that is the greatest blessing for God's will, the awesome and amazing will to be fulfilled in our life, and for us to trust that God has, is taking care of it, And then at the end, all things will work out for the good of those who love Him. God bless you.
0: In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me quickly. Be to me a rock of strength, a stronghold to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, you will lead me and guide me. For you are my strength, into your hand i commit my spirit you have ransomed me o lord god of truth may the god of peace who brought up from the dead our lord and shepherd equip you in every good thing to do his will working in you that which is pleasing in his sight through jesus christ to whom be the glory forever and ever amen
1: Mighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hidden. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the transforming work of your Holy Spirit, that we may love you and magnify your holy name,
2: through Christ Jesus our Lord, Amen.